You're listening to the midweek edition of the 1208 Podcast. All right, last week the story of Abraham began on the 1208 Podcast, and today we are going to continue to follow that story. Uh, And today, we're going to see God invite Abraham to go to a new land. Um, And this brings a lot of questions, you know, like, did he hear God's voice? Um, Was it audible? Was it just in his mind? What what happened here? Well, we're going to find, I think, that the answer is not like that. Uh, As it appears in the Old Testament, God has a way of showing up physically, like, right in front of people. It's very strange. Um, it's what theologians often call a theophany, uh, when God just suddenly appears in front of people, there he is, and it's treated like it's it's normal. Uh, it's, it's very strange to the reader. You know, when you're reading it, you're like, wait, oh, hold up, hold up. So we're going to fast forward really quick to see one of the most epic stories where God just appears and then we're going to backtrack to see if we can follow this uh, uh, into the beginning of the story of Abraham. Okay, so let's go ahead and fast forward to the story found in Genesis 18, where we suddenly find this crazy story. And the Lord, and that's ca- the capital Lord, in other words, Yahweh, they just didn't say that. So let's let's hear it how it's actually written. And then Yahweh appeared to him, that is Abraham, by the oaks of Mamre, as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread, and you may refresh yourselves. And after that, you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. So they said, Do as you have said. And Abraham went quickly to the tent to Sarah and said, Quick, three seahs of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf tender and good and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk and the calf and he that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? He said, She is in the tent. And Yahweh said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you, about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, No, but you did laugh. Then the men set out from there, and they looked down towards Sodom. And Abraham went with them to set them on their way. Then Yahweh said, 
Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I have chosen him, that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord, that is Yahweh, may bring to Abraham what has what he has promised him. Then Yahweh said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. Okay, I just read to you a lot. I understand we are chapters beyond where we uh, <laughs> where we currently are in this podcast. But I want to start there because in this story, God shows up like it's someone that you just ran into at the store, right? So when I'm going through the store and I see someone that I know, I'm like, oh, no way. We're shopping at the same time. So crazy. How are you? We should really get together soon. How, how's it been going? How's life? You know, like. That's what sometimes happens to you at the store, unless you're one of those people who wants to hide from someone you know because you just don't want to get into a conversation. <laughs> um, but that happens to a lot of people. You know, you're running into someone, you're checking in on them, you remember, like, man, we really got to get together sometime. How on earth did this just happen to Abraham and God? <laughs> that's that's the question we got to ask here. How did Abraham physically recognize God, as though he was just walking through the store one day. Oh, Yahweh, how you doing? How you doing? God, haven't seen you in a while. We should really get together. Like the reason I read so much of the story is because you can clearly see all of this is physical. Yahweh is walking with uh, his angel friends, it seems. And then suddenly, um, Abraham's like, hey, God, why don't you come over and eat? I will go make food. The food is a physical thing for physical bodies. Sarah is over listening, uh, you know, like creeping in on the conversation and laughing because God is physically there having this conversation with her husband. The story is just so strange. And so often we just kind of call it, yep, that's a theophany. God just physically shows up and, you know, we're like, well, that doesn't really help us. What? you know, just to give it the name Theophany. Um, we're told in the Bible elsewhere, you can't see God's face and live. So this is just God showing up all of a sudden. What do we do with this? How, how What do we make of this? Well, I feel like we've talked about this on the podcast before, but it's possible I've gotten into so many details that we just haven't, and I thought we did. <laughs> in the Old Testament, you come across manifestations of God. Uh, there's two particular forms, especially, where he is showing up in an actual physical way a lot of times that if you aren't paying close attention to the way that uh, um, Bible authors are writing and you're not paying attention to really closely to descriptive words, you would just think like they're having an impression of God on their hearts or that... Uh, um, they're just hearing a voice in their head, or maybe that God's speaking audibly. But there are some times where if you're paying attention, you realize this sometimes is physically God showing up in physical form. Now, there are four different ways. Oh, well, let me talk about the two ways in which he usually shows up. There's two different uh, ways that he sometimes shows up as. Sometimes he is called 
the angel of Yahweh, that is the angel of the Lord, okay? And sometimes he's called the word of the Lord. This happens throughout the Old Testament where you see the word of the Lord comes to someone, but it's clear from the way that it's writing that the word of the Lord is actually not like a word in their head. The word of the Lord seems to be able to interact with them physically sometimes. And I know that sounds weird, but you see it. For example, let's go to Jeremiah 1. Okay, so in Jeremiah 1, you expect a prophet to say the word of the Lord came to me because they speak words. So it's like, God put words in my mouth. Yeah, sure, that does happen, but pay attention to what actually happens. In Jeremiah 1, 4, Jeremiah says, now the word of the Lord came to me saying, and then he talks about what God says. But fast forward to Jeremiah 1, 9, and it says this, then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, so here you have, and this is caps lock Lord again. Okay. So it's Yahweh. And then Yahweh put out his hand and touched my mouth. And Yahweh said to me, now, if we're, we're just reading it, like we usually do, we're like, whoa, 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 hold up. Where did God come from? Well, it's the word of the Lord. It's the word of Yahweh. So there are times in the Bible where you see when the word of the Lord comes to people, we're not just thinking like, ah, yes, God's voice suddenly filled my mind or audibly spoke to me. Sometimes we are legitimately talking about the word of the Lord being a physical person who shows up, who can tangibly, physically touch Jeremiah and is currently present right there in front of him. So we have to recognize that sometimes God has ways of manifesting as some kind of person who often either gets identified as the word of the Lord, or sometimes, as I mentioned, the angel of Yahweh, the angel of the Lord. Now this, I missed my entire life because a lot of times, you know, I'm thinking, uh, there's just so many angels out there who knows which angel this is, but it's specific when the Bible talks about this specific the angel of the Lord, it's talking about like the angel of the Lord, you know, not just like an angel of the Lord. Angel more or less means messenger in Hebrew. So typically what an angel does is it brings a message from God. That's, that's by definition, the angel's job. He's a messenger, but the angel of the Lord, typically when the angel of the Lord shows up, this guy does all kinds of crazy things, okay? Like, he, he doesn't just pass along messages. If you carry on a conversation with him, he talks as though he is God. Like, he won't go back to God and ask for an answer. He'll just give you the answer as though he is speaking with the authority of God. <laughs> the angel of the Lord shows up all throughout the Old Testament, um, and the word of, of the Lord shows up throughout the Old Testament, and these are actually ways in which Bible authors were often talking about God manifesting right in front of us, talking to us, being right manifest in front of us. Now, look, I realize I sound a little bit like a crazy Pentecostal right now because I got Pentecostal blood in me. I, you know, I've, I've had background with um, supernatural manifestations all around me. Sure. But. Uh, what I aim to do constantly is 
turn the Bible over to scholarly work to make sure that I'm not just getting soaked up in, in supernatural ideology that's just craziness and doesn't make sense. And here's what you find. When you look at what scholars are saying about the angel of the Lord, they're the ones who are recognizing, like, this This is seems to be God. In fact, uh, one scholar that I came across, he, he gives four different uh, conclusions about what the angel of Yahweh could be. This is out of uh, the Lexham Bible Dictionary, where it's defining the angel of Yahweh. It says, here's the kind of four different things it could be. It could be, and this will sound especially crazy, an appearance of the pre-incarnate Christ. Okay. It could be a hypostasis of Yahweh or, or like a, the being of Yahweh or a manifestation of a divine attribute. It could be three, a human or angelic messenger representing Yahweh or four, a theophany of Yahweh himself, which, you know, really could fit any of those. So after I've um, thought about this and studied about it, I, I wasn't fully convinced the first time I, I heard about the possibility of this being like Yahweh himself, nor was I convinced about the idea of it being Jesus. But I got to be honest with you, as I've thought over this throughout the last few years and just kept mulling it over and and looked at these passages and tried to make sense of them, what they're getting at, and and really looking at what New Testament authors do with these scenarios, I'm going to be honest, I and this is a scholarly conclusion, okay? Because this is what scholars will actually say seems to be a fair assumption as to one of the takeaways that you could have here. I think I, I would agree. I don't even think. This is just what I agree with now. The angel of Yahweh, this special angel who talks like he's God, who has the name of the Lord in him. The Bible talks about this specific angel in all kinds of ways. We're not going to get into all the details now. Uh, the word of the Lord that comes to um, the prophets and to, other, and to Abraham. Abraham's going to come in contact with the word of the Lord. The word and the angel of Yahweh... I would agree, is Jesus. And here's part of the reason that I would see this, okay? When you look at uh, what the Bible says about Jesus, it's clear Jesus is a part of the Trinity. He's been around since the very beginning. He's always existed. He was not a created being when suddenly he was born, okay? And then when you look at what some of the New Testament writers do, with uh, uh, callbacks to some of these stories, they seem to place Jesus in it. Okay, so for example, um, well, let's just start right at the beginning of John, right? What does John say? John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And then, fat, so, well, pause. Right here, we already see John's like referring back to the word of the Lord, which was God, who spoke to prophets, who spoke to Abraham. That word that was manifest among us was God. But then John does something crazy. He does something very interesting. And in John 1.14, he says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. 
and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And man, that is just mind-blowing, or it should be, right? Now that we're thinking of like the Word, who in the Old Testament, the Word was clearly God. He showed up, he talked, he hung out. Suddenly, John's like, you remember that guy, the Word? He's been here since the beginning because he is God. But at one point in time, that Word, that man, that being that was God who somehow could manifest among us, he was God in a way, in an appearance that we could see as opposed to God in the way that would kill us if we saw his face. God in the form that we could see, put on flesh, was born of humanity and entered into our world in this state. So John's already saying, like, you know the word. It existed. It's always existed. But at one point in time, that word became Jesus and came and dwelt among us. So already you're seeing John, like, with these straight callbacks. Remember the word? That's that's who Jesus was. Uh, on top of that, the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord stops showing up once you get to the New Testament, okay? As though to imply like, oh, well, the angel of the Lord is is Jesus. He's still there in the New Testament. He's just not the angel of the Lord anymore. Um, the only possible reference where we might see a reference to the angel of the Lord would be in Revelation um, and it's, it's, uh, it's not for sure. It's hard to tell because revelation is often confusing to tell, but in revelation one, one through two, it says, God sent his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. However, uh, even though the Bible says this, that God sent his angel to John, well, suddenly when John runs into someone who starts talking about um, all these visions he's going to see, it's Jesus himself. So that sounds a little weird, like, you know, well, God sent his angel, but John didn't run into an angel, he ran into Jesus. It's possible, though, especially because this is John who wrote, you know, the Gospel of John and Revelation, um, that John is simply trying to say, yeah, the angel of God God sent his angel, and what John saw was Jesus. You know, it could be another way of saying, like, the angel of Yahweh showed up one time in the New Testament, and lo and behold, it was Jesus himself. So, all that being said, um, you don't see the angel of the Lord appear in the New Testament, except possibly that one time in Revelation. And if so, it's simply to make the point, like, the angel of Yahweh, God's angel, is Jesus. So, (laughs) I know it sounds crazy, but again, these are scholarly studies saying God does physically, tangibly show up in the Old Testament before um, we get Jesus, who is God, tangibly showing up in the New Testament. And we have to do something with it. And some people just, you know, they, they can't handle the weirdness of the idea that Jesus could have shown up before he put on flesh, and so they tend to lessen these old manifestations of God. 
But if we read what the Hebrews are writing, if we pay attention to what the authors are saying, like they are intentionally overlapping God and some of these manifestations time and time again, as though to, to make it clear to us, yes, God shows up in tangible form. Um, this actually seems to have been well-believed by Hebrews for a long time. Um, the Jews seem to believe it, but at one point, things switched. When the Trinity entered the picture and and uh, we started talking about how, you know, God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus are all one. They are not separate beings, but they're one. It seems that the Jews started to get rid of their own teaching that God could show up in tangible form and invisible, uh, that God was, you know, the invisible ultimate God, but could show up in tangible form in their own scriptures because they didn't want the overlapping with what these Christians were teaching of the Trinity. They wanted to call that heresy, so they had to kind of get rid of some of their their own stuff. Okay, so uh, that just brings us up to speed with uh, the fact that God shows up in the Old Testament, and I would say that Jesus shows up in the Old Testament. Man, there's some crazy stories I would love to get into right now that further go into the angel of Yahweh, especially with uh, Jacob and Samson even, but we don't have time for that. So <laughs> we we need to get back on course with our story because all of this, I simply wanted to say, God shows up to Abraham during this story that we just saw in Genesis 18, right before Sodom and Gomorrah. He's physically there. How did Abraham recognize him? Because typically people think like this story came out of the blue. Like Abraham's only been hearing from God beforehand, but now suddenly in this story, he sees God, recognizes him. Well, let's use some logic here, right? If Abraham physically recognized God in his physical form, to the point that he's like, oh, I haven't seen you in a while. Come eat. I'll make some dinner uh, and we'll we'll hang out and we can wash your feet and all that. Like, To get to that point, the logic is Abraham has seen God before. So let's rewind back to where we are in the Bible today and start to see him show up. time that Abraham runs into Yahweh is in Genesis 12, and this is Abraham's origin story, okay? So here we go. Uh, now, Yahweh said to Abram, remember his name's still Abram at, Abram at this time, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, as Yahweh had told him. 
and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the Oak of Morah. At that time the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negeb. Okay, so you maybe picked up on it at least once. There's actually three times where we can see signals being sent that God is appearing to Abraham. Okay, so uh, let's, uh, let's look at the very first verse. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country. And then it goes on. Right there, we're saying, no, God just said. So sure, God could like show up and say this right to your face, but we have plenty of times in the Bible where God tells people things and they're hearing it. They're not seeing him. So why would we conclude that that God said this? Well, we believe that all the scriptures are wholly inspired, right? So let's go ahead and look at uh, what is being said in Acts because if we go to Acts 7, 2, it says, The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was in Mesopotamia before he settled in Haran and said to him, Go out from your land and from your relatives and come to the land that I will show you. So in other words, later when we get to uh, Acts and uh, there is um, a reference back to this verse. We see that in Acts, they say like, when the Lord said to Abraham to go do this, it was a physical manifestation. God appeared to our father Abraham and told him this. So Acts helps us fill in a little bit of the the blanks here that this is not just uh, um, God just you know, speaking in Abraham's head and Abraham having to just trust on a whim that this was God's voice, nor was this uh, just a like a powerful vocal manifestation in Abraham's head. Uh, Acts is saying God actually came to Abram, to Abraham, and said, go to the land that I will show you. And so Abraham does that. And in doing so, you have to understand, like, he lost a lot in doing this. Okay, so remember where we've already been in our podcast. We talked about the Tower of Babel, and this happens after that. So Deuteronomy 32, again, it tells us God separated the nations, a call back to the Tower of Babel. Uh, And when he did that, he turned all the nations over to uh, the control of the sons of God. In other words, little g gods or just authoritative spiritual beings that uh, God had made, he gave them the power over all these nations. And God said, Abraham, though, he's mine. So everybody gets separated to other spiritual beings by their languages, and God chooses Abraham. And through his line, as he just told Abraham, I'm going to bless all the nations through you. 
Jesus is going to be that blessing. And one day we get to Pentecost where languages are given back to the Christians to go out and bring all the nations back to God out from under the authority of um, the other spiritual beings God has put in charge. We've already talked about all that. You'll have to go back to podcasts if you're like, what on earth did you just say? (laughs) Um, We've already talked about that. But now let's remember that that's the state we're at when we get to Abraham. In other words, you know, it's it's a little bit of a question. How much does Abraham even know about Yahweh, about God? Okay, so um, John Walton tries to get into the culture of the time and try to think of how would Abraham have perceived God when God called out to him. So, um, oh, well, before we read, he's also going to go on to explain what following Yahweh, what following this God that maybe he didn't know of at all was going to cost him in terms of the spiritual world that uh, he would have seen it as. So here, let me read. This is from John H. Walton's classic Ancient Near Eastern Thought in the Old Testament. Is it possible that Abraham's perception of Yahweh slash El Shaddai would have been similar to the typical Mesopotamian's perception of his personal deity? Uh, sorry, um, just to interject, there were different kinds of gods in ancient Near Eastern thought, and a personal deity would be like, yeah, I've acquired a god, I have a god. So is it possible, Walton saying, that Abraham just thought of Yahweh at first as a god like a personal god like that? The way in which Abraham and his God interact would certainly suit the paradigm of relationship with a personal God in Mesopotamia. Yahweh provides for Abraham and protects him, while obedience and loyalty are given in return. One major difference, however, is that our clearest picture of the personal God in Mesopotamia comes from the many laments that are offered as individuals seek favors from deity or complain about his neglect of them. There is no hint of this in Abraham's approach to Yahweh. In the depiction in the text, Abraham maintains an elevated view of deity that is much more characteristic of the overall biblical view of deity than it is of the Mesopotamian perspective. On the whole, however, it is not impossible, and may even be likely, that Abraham's understanding of his relationship to Yahweh, in the beginning at least, was similar to the Mesopotamian idea of the personal God. In Mesopotamian language, Abraham would have been described as having acquired a god. That he was led to a new land and separated from his father's household would have effectively cut any ties with previous deities located in city and family, and opened the way for Yahweh to be understood as the only deity to which Abraham had any obligation. Uh, So I'm going to continue here, but now you're starting to see, like, when Abraham left his home, the only he wasn't just making a sacrifice of blindly following God because God didn't tell him where he was going. He just told him to leave. Um, he's going to the land that God will show him. In other words, he's not telling him ahead of time. Um, but he's making more of that. He's making more critical decisions that are going to affect his life just by leaving his family. So Walton goes on, by making a break with his land, his family, and his inheritance— Abraham was also breaking all of his religious ties. In his new land, Abraham would have no territorial gods. As a new people, he would have brought no family gods. Having left his country, he would have no national or city gods. And it was Yahweh who filled this void. 
becoming the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the fathers. Okay, so whether or not Abraham understands who Yahweh is, eventually it's going to become clear, right? I mean, God changes from a personal God, if he did see him that way, to eventually being seen as a national God, where an entire nation, all of Israel, falls under him. And eventually, if they haven't caught on to it from the beginning, or if they somehow don't know who Yahweh is, because Abraham is even, uh, sorry, Moses later is going to ask himself, right? In Exodus uh, 3.13, Uh, Moses says to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? I mean, that question right there almost implies like the people of Israel may not exactly know who God is because even Moses is like, uh, the God of my fathers, who are you again? What's your name? You know, so you see this potential of people having lost their heritage, having forgotten some of the story of, of who Yahweh is. There's a possibility there. Anyways, uh, we've kind of segued from our main theme a little bit to talk about like the importance of what Abraham is losing. So God, just to recap, God physically shows up to Abraham, according to Acts, and then tells Abraham to leave everything that he knows from um, not just a, a land perspective, but from a religious perspective, a cultural perspective, a family perspective, and just make God his God and follow Yahweh where he brings him. Okay. So uh, since we've kind of segued a few times, let's take a break, refresh our minds. And when we come back, let's continue with seeing where God shows up in this entry story to Abraham. Okay, so we've seen God appear to Abraham according to Acts and tell him to leave his country. This makes more sense to us because down the road, we're going to see, again, Abraham's going to recognize God in physical form. But this isn't the only time that uh, Abraham ends up talking to God in physical form. If we continue with what we've already read, Genesis 12, verse 6, it says, Abram passed through the land of the place at Shechem to the oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. Uh, And then he builds an altar to Yahweh who had appeared to him. So whether this is the word of God or the angel of the Lord, um, you know, these are just callbacks to these visible manifestations of God, of Jesus, who shows up in the Old Testament. Um, One of the things that you can pull attention to here, though, is that uh, he runs into God 
at the Oak of Moray. To us, that's just like a physical location, a boundary marker, a place where an altar went up doesn't make a whole big deal to us. But um, you need to understand uh, um, the importance of oaks in the Bible, okay? So I'm going to read from Michael Heiser here. He, he points out, the Oak of Moray and the Oaks of Mamre, which we saw uh, later where Abraham runs into God, uh, the Oaks of Moray and the Oaks of Mamre are each what um, are each what scholars call a terebinth, a sacred tree that got its sacred reputation because it marked a spot where divine beings appeared. In fact, Oak of Moray literally means Oak of the Teacher. The point behind the name would be that some divine figure teaches people or dispenses information at this location what we commonly think of as an oracle. So, in other words, the place where God appears to Abraham uh, after he's told him to leave his home, the place where God appears once he's gotten to the land is a place where you would actually expect to run into God. It's a terebinth, a sacred space, a place where where God is uh, um, thought to be present and teaching and giving people advice. So uh, when you look at ancient culture and the way that they would have thought of these oaks, you actually see like this is a place where if God was going to manifest as a uh, physical being in front of him, this is a place that makes sense. But still, this isn't the last place where we're going to see God manifest in front of Abraham. Okay, So if we were to fast forward to the covenant promised to Abraham in Genesis 15, we see this. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Elizer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord, the word of Yahweh, came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed Yahweh, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Okay, right here in this passage, everything is visual again, right? So the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. In other words, um, it's a vision is a visual form of encountering God. Now, you know, that can be in your head, uh, visions in your head. It can be a, a trance-like state around you where you see things. Um, but either way, one way or another, Abram comes to... Uh, sorry, God comes to Abram in a visual type way. And since we already know God can come right up to him in a physical kind of way as this pre-incarnate Jesus character, um, it makes sense that that could be what's going on here. But that's not the only thing that we saw. The word of the Lord came to him. That's written twice. But then, if you noticed as I slowly said it, uh, the word of the Lord, it says, and he brought him outside and said. So in some way you see this this vision character of God bringing Abraham outside to look at the stars. 
So again, we've we've got these physical manifestations of God happening. And since in this case, it's the word of the Lord talking to Abraham, um, I want to draw our attention back to the Gospel of John, because it seems like John takes this uh, into an incredible direction. And so we'll uh, we'll close out with this this story. And uh, if you want to learn more about this, pretty much everything I've talked about can be uh, heavily found in Michael Heiser's The Unseen Realm. And a lot of today's <laughs> direction comes straight from one section in that that book, though I've kind of gone into a whole lot of different areas of his book just to kind of get through this. So uh, if you ever want to learn more on this, that's always something you can check out. Uh, I've written a bit on all these topics, too, in my book, The Rush and the Rest. But let's close out with what John does in John eight fifty six. So remember, John's already said the Word is God. The Word has always existed, and that Word put on flesh and dwelled among us. Now that we're thinking of the Word of the Old Testament as a conceptual idea as to what John's talking about, now we're already thinking of, um, we're already thinking when we read John's gospel that John is thinking of Jesus having already been present in the Old Testament, okay? There's that story in John 8 where Jesus says something very strange, and I always thought it was the Pharisees who were weird in this, but uh, now that we're thinking the way we're thinking, we actually see a different direction here, okay? Do you remember this phrase? At one point, Jesus is talking to uh, um, the Pharisees. Oh, sorry, not the Pharisees, uh, but the, the Jews. He's talking to the Jews. And at one point he says, Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. Now, for me, I was always thinking like, well, God promised Abraham that he would do all this stuff down the, down the, down the line of, uh, of, of what he does through Abraham's descendants, right? So I'm just thinking, yeah, so God told Abraham, I'm going to bless all of your descendants and you're going to bless the nations. And therefore, Abraham's rejoicing uh, about uh, uh, what God's going to do. But realize that's not the way that the Jews hear what Jesus just said. He said, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. And then it says, the Jews said to him, you're not 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? So the way in which they heard Jesus was Jesus say, like, I've I, I talked to Abraham about this back in the day. He was excited to see it. He, he was excited that this was all coming down the road, not just like I promised him this was coming uh, or God promised him this was coming and he rejoiced for it, but rather the way that the Jews heard it was Jesus saying, uh, I, I talked with Abraham, I showed him what's coming, and he rejoiced. That's how the Jews heard it. And if Jesus meant something different, we would expect him here to correct himself, say like, no, 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 you guys misunderstand. Uh, what I meant was Abraham was given the promises and he rejoiced in that, right? That's what you would say. But instead, he he goes on to basically say, yeah, I've met Abraham. Yeah, I talked with Abraham. And if that's not what he wanted to say, he would have said something different because the Jews actually pick up stones to throw at him after he does this, and Jesus has to hide. 
But instead of say something different, what Jesus says is, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. In other words, right there, Jesus said, I am. I'm God, right? Because Yahweh means I am who I am. So when you look throughout the Gospels and you see Jesus say, I am, you have to understand Jesus is making reference to the divine name. Jesus is saying, I'm one with Yahweh. I am Yahweh. In the same way that there was the word of the Lord in the Old Testament who was Yahweh, in the same way that there was the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament who was Yahweh, these physical manifestations of God who was God. Jesus is like, I'm that guy. Before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham was, I am Yahweh standing right in front of you. I am God. (laughs) And remember, again, where did uh, the word of the Lord talk to Abraham? Well, in that story that we were just looking at. So to some extent, you see John like recalling the possibility of that story to be like, yeah, the word of the Lord went to Abraham. I told him what was coming. I gave him the vision for the future. His descendants would be like stars. That was me. And uh, that, of course, gets him in big trouble. They try to stone him. He has to go hide himself. Um, But the reason that he goes there at all is because they're not following his logic. Like, what do you mean? You're not even 50 years old. You've seen Abraham hundreds of years ago. And his response, yeah, I'm God. (laughs) Yes, I've I've seen him. I existed before Abraham existed. So... And now you can understand why why people got so mad. The I am statements come up throughout uh, the Gospels all the time. Um, let me just blaze through a few so you can kind of hear it in their references. Um, have courage. I am he. Do not be afraid. I am. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming down with the clouds of heaven. I, the one speaking to you, am he. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the one who testifies concerning myself. Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. From now on, I am telling you before it happens, in order that when it happens, you may believe that I am he. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. Who are you looking for? They replied to him, Jesus the Nazarene. He said to them, I am he. (laughs) Uh, I know you just heard a whole slur of verses all throughout the Gospels, and I didn't quote where they're from and all that. So that may not have been helpful, but I just wanted to blast through it to show you the I am statements. Jesus saying, I'm Yahweh, I'm God, are all throughout the Gospels. Um, In fact, uh, and sometimes because saying I am sounds weird, sometimes our translations don't even know fully what to what to do with them um, because the the translation just sounds weird. For example, uh, in Matthew, which we're preaching through on Sundays, in Matthew 14:27, after Jesus has spoken, uh, walked on the water, it says, Jesus spoke to them saying, "Take heart." It is I. Do not be afraid. That's the ESV translation right there. But that it is I, 
like in in literal terms of what is written, it literally reads, I am, which sounds weird when translated, right? Take heart, I am. Like saying it is I, we understand that. But saying I am sounds weird. So some translators decide, well, put it is I, they'll understand that. But the Matthew, when he was writing that, he wanted that to be like an I am statement. Take heart, sure, he is saying it is I, but he's trying to say it in a way that says, take heart, I'm Yahweh. <laughs> so because we today maybe wouldn't recognize that, translators sometimes take it another route that people might recognize a little better. But all that being said, man, we have talked and talked today, and it's possible I have said so much that they're just confused because I, I covered too much. But I wanted to take a look, kind of a survey of Abraham's life, of all the different things going on so that you could see uh, how God showed up to him, talked to him. And that, of course, led us into a lot of other conversations. And there's even more that we could say today, but we're going to take it a break. So with that being said, we'll return next week to the story of Abraham and Sarah. And if you have questions, because there's certainly a lot there to digest, shoot us an email either on the Q&A form on the main page at 12voightgreenwood.com or the contact form. If you're listening on iTunes, if you just hit a, one of the stars at the bottom of this podcast, it'll help this get out to other people. If it's been helpful for you, it'd be nice for it to be helpful for others. So you can do that. Uh, but otherwise, we'll return next week with a continuation of this story. 